0: They are on the cross, spectators of pain and in pain. The crucifixion was such a terrible form of punishment. The Cicero once said he hoped no Roman would ever see one. And no Roman citizen was ever crucified. But these two were nailed on either side of our Lord. They both cursed and blasphemed. So there was no difference between them at the beginning. The first one, the rebel that was on the left of our blessed Lord, represents the pain of those who say, take me down. The one on the right wanted to be taken up. one on the left turned his head as, as much as he could, said to our Lord, if you are the Son of God, save yourself, save us. He thought that all our Lord was was a healer. The Lord does heal, but not always. Our Lord did not heal Lazarus, he allowed him to die. Our Lord did not release John the Baptist from prison, though he prayed. God will now and then heal, and he does, but healing is not the essence of his coming. That was all, however, that the rebel on the left wanted just to be healed. But the thought of sin never entered into his mind, just to be taken down. And he probably would have gone on with the dirty business of stealing and robbery and lawlessness. And on the other side, this rebel had a change of heart. It might have been the sight of the Lord's mother at the foot of the cross or the word of our Lord, extending forgiveness for sins. But whatever it was, the straw that was there was kindled. And he shouted to his companion, He said, We are suffering justly for our sins. This man has done no wrong. Then came a burst of faith. Remember me. When you come into your kingdom, imagine a kingdom. Crown of thorns, royal diadem.
1: Nail, scepter.
0: the throne but he had that faith and the Lord answered him back this day thou shalt be with me in paradise of the first companions of the risen Lord into the kingdom of heaven. Now, this rebel that was on the right, I think, leaves us this great example about pain. That much pain comes to us undeserved. We, so we say. But honestly, look into your own heart. I've looked into mine. I've had a great deal of suffering in the 83 years of my life. physical suffering and other suffering that should never have happened that lasted over many years. And yet, as I look back, I know very well that I have never received the punishment that I deserved. God has been easy with me. He has not laid on me burdens that were ever equal to my failures. And if we look into our own soul... I think that we will also come to that conclusion. For God speaks to us in various ways. As C.S. Lewis put it, God whispers to us in our pleasures. Speaks to us in our conscience. And he shouts to us in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone. Pain is heaven's loudspeaker. And like the ripples that are made in a brook. Or see, when you throw in a stone, the ripples of pain, instead of going out to distant shores, they narrow and narrow and come to a central point where there is less of the outside of the circle and more of the center. Not the ego, but the real person and the real self. And one begins to find oneself alone with God. That is what happens in pain. The one on the right saw that. And as we look at pain and those in suffering, we only wish that they could understand The mystery of it. Why does it happen? You say I'm sure that that man on the left said, Well, God is evil. That's why he said, If you're the son of God, save us. All God does anyway is cure. No. When I was a boy and had a toothache, I would always go to my grandmother because she'd give me oil of clothes. And I was afraid to go to my father because he'd take me to the dentist. One day he took me to the dentist and the dentist said, You have a very grave infection in your tooth and it's spreading through your organism. And that tooth has to be pulled and it's going to give you some pain. The dentist pulled the tooth. My father stood there holding my hand which really did no good at all. And then, even though I was just a boy, I somehow reasoned that why doesn't he stop the dentist? Why does he allow him to make me suffer? Because he wanted to prevent that infection through my body, and so the Heavenly Father says to his son on the cross, you take on the sins of the infections and all the poisons of the world. And the father was with him, but the father let him suffer because of the eventual good that it would do for us in the resurrection. But more than that, The man on the central cross was in pain too, and it was a very unusual kind of pain, which he knew that he would have, which he foretold on many occasions. It was actually the burden of all of our sins. That is why our blessed Lord came to this earth. His name, Jesus, means Savior. He saves us from our sins. So that he took upon the sin of each and every one of you. Whether you know it or not. Now down here before me are two of my doctors who saved my life three or four times. And they've seen me. close to death in various occasions. They've been in the intensive care wards and suffered with the patients. But imagine our Lord walking through the intensive care ward of the world like a great sponge, absorbing into himself every wounded member every weak heart every broken blood vessel every torn muscle every battered head or walking through a battlefield drawing to himself all of the wounds of those who are wounded that is what he was doing on that central cross. So that we could never say, does God know what it is to suffer? Does he know what it is to be in exile? Does he know anything about poverty? Living in a stable? Does he know anything about living under totalitarian governments? God is good. Why does he make me suffer? In the end, we will discover that sometimes when we're very good, the suffering is to make us better and we'll have a higher place in heaven. But in any case, as we see now, as we come to this next view of spectators, How all of those wounds change. And the third spectators were lovers. It is indifferent that they both were women. Because we are relating them to love. At the foot of the cross was Mary Magdalene who was never shown standing. She was too prostrate with grief. Whenever she appears in the gospel she's always at the feet of the Lord. And his blessed mother. They stand for two kinds of love. One is need-love. The other is gift-love. Need-love is that which we experience because we are imperfect. We need food for the stomach, thought for the mind, music for the ears, friends for the heart. They fill a want. The gift love is a love that does not want anything. It just gives. Surrenders itself. Sacrifices itself. Our Blessed Mother had the agape love. Sacrificial love. She never lived for herself. Her love was such that from the very moment of her existence, she had completely identified herself with our Lord. Completely. And in his providence, he had indicated that to her. Now, you who are mothers, imagine yourself at the birth of your son, and your friends bring some myrrh and funeral spices as a gift. That's what the wise men brought her. Imagine embalming fluid to a babe. This mother had to look at it and said all right I'm consecrated to him he's giving himself for the life of the world and I'm going to unite myself with him as much as I can. And then when he's presented to the temple at 40 days, old Simeon said, a sword will pierce thy heart too. In other words, when he was hanging on the cross, the centurion would pierce his heart. She would be so identified with him that his heart, her heart, would also be plunged. Then, at the marriage feast of Cana, she asked for a miracle, and he says, I must be about my father's business. He begins to alienate himself from her. There's to be no maternal ties of the physical order. And when she's pointed out in the crowd as his mother, he said, who's my mother? Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my father, my mother, my brother, my sister. There's an entirely new relationship. And then looking down to John, whom he did not call John, but the disciple, to indicate that he was not the son of Zebedee, but a follower of our Lord. We're disciples of our Lord. All of us. So when he was speaking to him, he was speaking to you and to me. And he said, There's your mother. There she is. So he delivered her over to us, It was a very poor exchange that she was getting, giving up the Son of God merely for us, but she did it. She did it to be our intercessor. Our Lord was really telling us there has to be a feminine principle in religion, and it's going to be my mother. When I go to heaven, I will intercede with the Father. She will intercede with me. You pray to her. She will help you. Where's your rosary? I'm not going to take a census. And I wonder how many of you have rosaries in your pocket. You say them as you walk the street. You pray to that woman of agape, that woman of love who was given to us to form Christ in us. As she physically formed Christ in her own body under the Holy Spirit, so she forms Christ in us. That's her mission. And the more we are devoted to her, instead of drawing us away from him, she draws us to him. And during this season, the reparation has been made at the cross. And you need only let your two little feet hang from under a curtain in the confessional box and you recover peace and this lord whom we saw on the cross and whom we witnessed as spectators will come again we know not when he said you know not the hour or the day it could be very quickly when we least expect it. For as the Bible said, when the sun rose on Sodom and Gomorrah that morning, it was bright. He said he would come like a thief in the night. And when he comes, he will have not wounds, but scars. Scars on hands and feet and side. And that is the way he will judge us. Show me your hands. Have you a scar from giving? Scar of sacrificing yourself for another? Show me your feet. Have you gone about doing good? Were you wounded in service? Show me your heart. Have you left a place for divine love? And that's the way he will know his own. As the poet, Shinito put it if I had never sought thee I seek thee now Thine eyes burn through the dark our only star We must have sight of thorn pricks on thy brow. We must have thee, O Jesus of the scars. The heavens frighten us. They are too calm. In all the universe we have no place Our wounds are hurting us. Where is thy balm? Lord Jesus, by thy scars, we claim thy grace. If then, when the doors are shut, thou drawest near, only reveal those hands that side of thine. We know today what wounds are. Have no fear. Show us thy scars. But thou wast weak, they rode. But thou didst stumble to a throne, but to our wounds only God's wounds can speak. And no God has wounds but ours alone. As we say, kneeling, the act of contrition. Oh, my God. I am heartily sorry for having offended Thee. And I detest all of my sins because I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell. But most of all, because they offend thee, my God, were art all good and deserving of all my love. I firmly resolve with the help of thy grace to confess my sins, to do penance, and amend my life. Amen.